Nice work if you can get it, and you can get it if you try. Now on 650 Sea Isle, we're back to Careers Today with Vancouver's most respected career experts, Alana Farrow and Minto Roy. Good evening and welcome back to Careers Today on 650 Sea Isle, Vancouver's gateway to your new career. I'm Minto Roy here with my co-host Alana Farrow and our special guest, Shane Gibson of Knowledge Brokers International. Um, you know, th- this is a lot of good stuff to cover from an employer's point of view. And if you're looking for a sales career, uh, a point of view that it should give you a big, big edge. I want to go back to the, um, the, the real big closers that you interviewed. From their perspective, when they were looking for a sales career, what do you think they most look for? Because the perception is these big closers all want to close $50, $70 million deals. Can you give me some perspective there? On how they got into the business, or in, in what the do closing? they look for? What, what does the individuals for look for for an opportunity? I think there's a lot of thought that well, there's a couple of ways that it occurs. I mean, number one, you look at somebody like uh, Willie Schmidt, who works with Finning, mm-hmm. and he sells giant toys for girls and boys. Really, they're giant dump trucks, twenty right. million bucks a piece. And Willie started off as a diesel mechanic, right? Uh, and really worked hands on with the clients. And he had such knowledge, he moved into customer care, and then he moved and elevated into client management, and eventually, you know, these large deal closing uh, scenarios. And so he kind of evolved into it, and it was it was something it was a path he took in the corporate ladder. Uh, Carrie Healy with Infosat was very similar. Lisa Howell was a little bit different. She was definitely hungry, and she went to work with GE. Had opportunities to have dinner with people like Jack Welch. Moved on to Phillips, who now she now runs sales for Phillips Medical for all North America. Very corporate path. Then I look at other big deal closers and people who work in you know unknown companies or who raise corporate finance for organizations. And a lot of these guys are looking for exact opposite. Some people are looking for very built up industries with a proven commodity. Other people want a wide open territory. Yeah. Nobody else on their sales team. A quota as big as you want, a territory as big as you want, and the only limitation, this is what I like about closing big deals and what I like about selling and why I'm passionate about it, is your only limitation is your ability mentally to add zeros to the equation. And that's really, that's what a lot of them are looking for. Mm -hmm. So if you've got a small business, maybe it's a a software company with a killer app, a lot Mm -hmm. of these salespeople, if they can see a massive market and you allow them to be creative and run out and make those deals... And you're generous with the commissions and the revenue share. Right. You can attract some real heavy hitters into even some grassroots or or, or startup level operations. Sure. The trick is actually finding those people instead of the people who think there's those people. Because we've been recruiting for a lot of small businesses that are offering some pretty generous uh, revenue sharing and with stock options and a, and a whole host of, of perks going along with it. And, you know, the business plan is open, the market is clearly there, and this person is, oh, so entrepreneurial, until it comes down to talk about really working on a revenue-sharing basis and not for a base. And then it turns out that they're not so entrepreneurial, and they actually, you know, well, I've got a mortgage and kids and a car payment, and I don't think I can take that kind of risk after all. After doing a dance, you know, for four or five weeks or something with an employer back and forth, multiple interviews, job shadowing, personality assessments, up the yin-yang. I mean, a lot of time, a big investment... And then, yeah, you know, I really can see the growth and I'm sure it's great for somebody, but uh, I can't actually sign on to that deal. I, I think a lot of employers do what would be big deal closers do in the beginning. And uh. that is they give the bad news on Friday 
and the good news on Monday. What does that mean? In other words, I think you should give the good, the bad news on Monday and the bad news on Friday and the good news on Friday. What I mean by this is that up front, let them know the reality of the situation. By the way, we don't know where payroll's coming in 60 days yet. Okay. <laughs> by the way, people don't believe us when we tell them we can secure their email. By the way, we've got four or five incumbent competitors here. How do you like us now? <laughs> right? And the real big deal closer, the thick skin who sees the opportunity, you don't want to scare them away, but you want to make sure, you want to take it away from them and qualify them a little bit. Make sure they're really serious. Hmm. I think sometimes, too, in, a, in closing a big deal, what people do when they start off is they wait to give the bad news at the end. Zach Molnar actually talks about this, is that a lot of new would-be would big deal closers wait to the very end to put that hard term in the contract and negotiate with you. Mm. And then they blow the deal. Where if you bring it up front, you got all kinds of good stuff you can add to the deal down the back end. Mm-hmm. And so I'd say up front, qualify them a little harder. As an employer, sell the would-be employee less. Give them a bit more reality. Because if it's a startup opportunity, you're looking for somebody very entrepreneurial with vision and some thick skin and some stick to it. Well, let's talk about sales as a career. Some Somebody out there looking to, whether they're in sales or whether they're in the harder skill set in their company and they want to get into sales, um, how would you think that they would be recognized as a potential revenue producer? So let's say somebody intra-company who wants to switch sides of the fence from, let's say, service side or technical side to sales. What would you tell them to do? Boy, part of it is going through and letting them know really what it's going to take. So even if someone's going to move from inside sales to outside sales, they've got to be aware of some of the competencies that are needed. So I want to do a bit of an acid test with them first to really make sure that they know what they need to work on. Now, if they want to move up to that position, it's time to start investing in building some of those competencies or finding a mentor within the organization to mentor them. I think that's key because there's a lot of things that aren't in books and aren't out there and available to us readily that really come through mentorship as far as a big deal closing perspective. Mm. So I would make sure that, you know, I'd let someone know in in senior management, hey, I would like to be out there closing big deals to the organization. And I've identified, based upon either reading Shane's book or doing some other assessment, that I'm missing these competencies and I want to grow them. What can you do as an employer to invest in me? Just have the courage and the authenticity to be able to walk up to your boss and say, you know, I'd like to close some big deals out there. That. and it's have, a skill set. That's a learned behavior. That's, and have that's the sense huge. to say, I see myself doing that in a few years' time. I'm ready to do it, willing to do it the day you think I'm prepared. But the last thing I would want to do is go out there and embarrass you. So what I'm asking you to do is get me there as fast as you can, but on your timeline. Go into the office with, uh, I'd like to be doing it by next quarter. The employer has no interest in that. That's absurd. So I have a question. Let's take another level of sales. We have a number of people that have had mediocre sales careers and sometimes they come and, and they ask, well, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of piling the pavement. I want to get into sales management. Yeah. <laughs> T- tell me the, di- <laughs> it's, tell me the difference. I can't hit my quota. So I think I'd like to monitor other people's yeah, ability uh, to hit their quota. Unfortunately, you know, this, this sort of very linear path up a corporation, right. people tend to get promoted to their level of incompetency. <laughs> right. So they, they keep going until they find, get somewhere where they can't advance any further because they've been promoted down the wrong hallway, so to speak. Right. And I think that a lot of salespeople, great salespeople, think that the next step is to move into sales management. Yet it's a whole different set of competencies. And it's, you know, it's not unlike, you know, uh, you look at a, a great golfing coach. Yeah. They might not be able to do it, but they're great and understand how to tweak and coach and develop people to do it. And so they might have never done what Tiger Woods has done, 
but they can coach them. Yeah, but mm-hmm. probably in sales, it's such a, a land of ego. It's very rare that I see tremendous salespeople taking advice from people who haven't proven that they can sell. That's 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 somewhat accurate. I, okay. I would agree. But I don't think you want to take your biggest deal closer in the company and put them in a management position. No, but again, what do you look for in terms of if you're maybe you're looking at sales management as a career? Do you say, okay, I got to get good at selling? I got to get great at selling? Well, what do you what do you do there? Competencies of a sales manager is, is a foundation and understanding of some of the core sales skills, and also if if you're doing large deals in that company, the understanding of how to truly be a trusted advisor and a consultative seller. Right, but that is just going to help you sell. Now, what you need, you need to layer in, which I often work with organizations on, is I'll go in and train their sales staff. But I'll say, by the way, this isn't going to work unless your sales management understands the process and has strong mentorship, leadership, and coaching skills. Too many managers are firefighters. People knock on the door and they run and put out the fire. What they've got to do is they've got to move into more of a mentoring and mm-hmm. coaching zone to develop the skills of their people. That's what a good sales manager does is find key strengths in their people and give them opportunities to bring them out and strengthen them further. I guarantee there's a big part of the audience. You know, we we talk to businesses all the time. There's a great, great line I heard that says, sales solves all problems. And I, what, what I think it does is it disguises and hides a lot of problems. It can, but I'll tell you that that an organization with without momentum, right. and we've all seen it, the littlest things will stop them dead in their tracks. Mm. Right. Yet an organization with momentum, with good cash flow, just gaining market share and moving forward is an organization that can overcome competitors with better technology, better service, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you name it. Absolutely. So momentum is one of the key factors. Talking mm-hmm. to the general manager for Avis, uh, Ascendant Auto for Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, they're a client of mine, and asking him, I said, what's your mission statement this year? And he said, growth and customer service. That's <laughs> a, That was his mission statement, growth and customer service. And what's interesting, this is a sign of a good leader, is I did a bit of an audit with all salespeople across the country before I did a leadership program for them. Not salespeople, sorry, sales managers. Right. And I said, What's your mission? You know what they said? Growth and customer service. Every one of them. One of the few organizations I've actually seen. And then you wonder why they continue to grow. As part of it is consistency of vision, too, through the marketplace. Mm-hmm. But I truly and believe a I'm buy-in. a big believer in momentum. You've got to have that momentum. Well, well we need to get the word out to people there that, uh, that sales is a viable career. And that with... Uh, the right mentorship with some skills training, with some structure around what you're doing, you can sell even if you think that it's maybe not the natural thing that you can do. Because go on the job boards today. A significant proportion of the postings are sales related. Organizations need people in their business development. And I just keep having all these conversations with talented people who are willing to do anything except sales. They say, oh, I don't like having a gun to my head. I don't like having a quota. I don't like, hey, I just read down here about you being all results driven. Why wouldn't you want to have the sales result? Why wouldn't you want to have the revenue result? People have an image in their mind of your used car salesman or the guy at the wedding with the actuarial tables or whatever. They have a very old-fashioned image of what sales is. And I have to say, I mean, I, I held that image for many years. And now some of my best friends are people in sales. My favorite clients are definitely people in sales. They are passionate. They're forward-thinking. They are positive. They are often very values-based. It's different than you think it is. 
Absolutely. And I think that if we go back to the earlier part of the show, when I talked about defining selling, I think this will help some of those people who see selling as, I really see selling as just a label. Yeah. I think it's a misused label is that we've, we've taken the concept of building faith and creating an environment where an active faith can take place, mm-hmm. which is what we do when we build relationships with other right. people. Mm-hmm. And we put a business label called selling. We made it something scary. But it's really the same basic human principles that would, you would utilize socially to interact and connect with someone and become a friend with them. And, you know, beyond that, you have to provide business value, obviously. But the foundation of it is still very human. And selling just a label for being effective at persuading and connecting with other people. Well, what I think people, where the chasm starts is that you're right, you build a relationship and everything else you do, and you can call that selling, but selling implies that there's a transaction of money. That occurs Absolutely. in that conversation. Absolutely. That's what people, and money makes people do very strange things. That's why I think there's an awkwardness around it. And furthermore, I think the majority of society, their perception of sales comes from actually experiencing bad selling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do think that most of us are uncomfortable with money, but you get progressively more comfortable with money over time. Right. You, you know, you ask for it if you hundred times in meetings and it starts getting a little bit easier to ask for. So again, if you think that you're up for a challenge in your life and in your career and you would be open to some training and to develop, then there are some great opportunities out there. And for those of you who are still saying sales schmales, I don't want any piece of it. That is what uh, Shane's commentary in our next segment will bring to you. In the meantime, Please swing by the job board, see all those sales positions at www.careerstodaycanada.com and visit Shane's sites, www.closingbigger.com to get information on the book, www.closingbigger.net for the blog and the podcast and a whole lot of valuable information free to you, a good investment of your time. I'm Alana Farrow alongside Minto Roy and we'll be right back with Careers Today and Stories from the Opportunity Business on 650 CL. 